Hey everyone, welcome to the show. You're listening to Can I, the Latchel podcast named for the acronym Continuous and Never Ending Improvement. At Latchel, we have a deep belief that you can't get better by staying the same. And our podcast is here to give you the tools and resources you need to achieve healthy growth. As a Y Combinator backed company, we know what it takes to have rapid, accelerated growth, and we want to pass our learnings along to you. At Latchel, we help property managers and landlords grow and scale by taking over 24 7 maintenance operations. We've developed an innovative mix of software and on demand support to help do that. Each week on this show, we bring on industry experts and we dive into the topics that'll help you shape your business. Welcome to the show. Let's get going. All right. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, this is Ethan here, the CEO of Latchel. Uh, our guest today is Kathleen Richards, owner of PM Made Easy. I first met Kathleen maybe 18 months ago, and it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Uh, we're going to be talking about finding and choosing the right vendors to support your business um, with Kathleen, who knows this inside and out. Uh, Kathleen is a former broker owner of a two-time award-winning management company, uh, so we'll definitely learn from her on how she did that. She's also a national instructor for NARPUM, and she's also a certified business coach and the founder of the Property Management Coach. Um, so Kathleen has done a ton of things. Uh, looking, to for, looking forward to sharing your knowledge today, Kathleen. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me here with you today. Maybe you can uh, start us off by just giving a little bit of background on you and PM Made Easy. Yes. So um, prior to PM Made Easy being called PM Made Easy, it was called Landlord Source. And so people that have been with NARPUM for a very long time will know that company. Uh, the company's been around since 2002. And um, all the products, um, many of the products at the time were all written by Gene Storms, who is a legend in the property management industry. So products are written specifically for property managers and um, are customized, um, include fair housing, all of that specifically to help the property management office. I used many of the products in my business over the years. And um, I've been a coach for the last five years. And about three years ago, Jean had mentioned to me that she was looking to retire and exit out and she was considering shuttering the company. And I approached her and said, well, you can't do that because I, I refer so many of my coaching clients to your products. So we worked <laughs> out a deal and I bought the company, which um, is a, a great, um, it fits very well with what I do in coaching. And I revamped the company and rebranded it and, and modernized it and um, reworked all the products and relaunched the company as PM Made Easy this past October. So, um, and I have in the works right now about another 10 new products that hopefully will be on board by the end of the year. And again, having been in the industry, I think 
it was important for Gene to hand over the business to somebody who had been in the industry, right? And who had actually had their own company and understands the challenges that property managers have and where they could use support in the operations side of the business and it couples well with my coaching. So that's the kind of the background of PM8EZ. Hmm, interesting. I'm curious. We'll get into this later a little bit deeper, but can you can you just give us an idea of why property managers come to you? Like, what are they kind of looking to get or what goals are they trying to achieve? Yeah. So um, the main reason that people come to me, um, one of two things um, on the coaching side, it's um, I have a niche within a niche, which is helping people start businesses. Um, but I've coached people from the very beginning stages all the way through to expanding, managing employees, hiring, development, all the way through to when the day comes, let's plan your exit strategy and how to value your company, how to find buyers for it, how to how to sell it and structure it so that you're protected um, once you're no longer running the company and someone's bought it from you so that you still get paid out <laughs> and all of that. So. In, in going through that whole kind of phase, um, the main thing that people come to me for is whether they're new and or they've been in business a while, people don't get into property management to say, oh, I love doing operations. People typically get into property management, either they are an investor themselves, and then it kind of grows from there or they transition from one career into property management, or they're realtors and they're looking to expand into property management so that they have a consistent cash flow every month, right? And try to add some, some consistent income that they can count on to supplement the sales side of the business. So most people um, really are lacking the operational structure. And, and by that, I mean a mm. policy and procedure manual. Um, many people don't know, but in the state of Texas and Arizona, it is a law, a requirement from the Department of Real Estate that you must have a policy and procedure manual. Um, and just the forms and the checklist and how to set up your operations and how do you hire staff and how do you train staff? Um, all of those sort of things, that's what people can get from PM Made Easy. They're not having to reinvent the wheel. Everything is fully customizable. Um, and it's set fair housing is already built into it. You plug in your own state or local ordinances, but you're able to get up to speed very quickly. And for those people that are new to property management, it really gives them a nice framework for even the process is how do I onboard an owner? What do I do with a new tenant? How do I set up maintenance? Because many of the products are written with kind of the process flow in mind or the checklist there. And so it, it can help guide the owner of the business as to how to set up their business, how to create the processes and the systems so that everybody's successful. Wow. That's a lot. And, um, I have to imagine you had to learn and build all this from somewhere. Now, I know you uh, uh, ran a two-time award-winning management company. I'm guessing a lot of this you built while there. Maybe you can speak to how you started in property management. Yeah, so I 
owned my own rentals. I worked in Silicon Valley in high tech. I was in marketing and then um, later kind of moved into working um, in venture capital um, at different companies there. Um, and so I had my own investments. I had had property managers because I was super busy at the time and I was petrified of getting sued. So it was the whole lawsuit side of things. And what I discovered was I had some good property managers and some that weren't so good. And eventually I'm like, Kathleen, you can figure this out. <laughs> I mean, you can't do it worse than what they did, right? And so I took over and started managing my own properties. And with my business background and educational background and, and all of that, um, I found I was really good at it. And when my husband retired from the fire department, in Palo Alto, we moved back to Santa Cruz full time. And I decided I didn't want to do the commute to Silicon Valley anymore. And I'm looking around Santa Cruz, which is a little beach service community, right? Um, what am I going to do here? So that's when I, I got into real estate professionally and never wanted to do the sales side. I started out in loans and did more of the finance side. But people kept encouraging me, you should do property management. So I decided, you know, um, my fear was when you're a property manager, you don't own the real estate, right? You are representing the owner. You're dealing with the tenants. You're dealing with vendors. You're the middleman, essentially. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be really good at um, project management. And you also have to be an exceptional communicator and you have to be very persuasive because that's what you're doing all day long. You're trying to persuade an owner why they should spend money to fix something. You have to persuade a tenant about why they need to follow certain lease terms or whatever. So I decided to, before I jumped into something and made a big commitment and realized maybe this isn't for me, I went and worked for a well-known property management company in my area to try it on for sites. Oh. And at this point in time, I already had my real estate license and they were looking to hire a property manager. Um, and what is typical with so many companies, not just property management companies, but um, I see this, especially in small businesses, you know, you need to hire somebody, but you, by the time you get to that, you put an ad out there, you get bombarded with resumes and then you don't have time to look at anything. Right. Um, I, if, I am anything that's persistent. And so I literally just walked into this office and said, I was, you know, here's my resume. I'm interested in the position. Oh yeah, we'll be doing interviews in a couple of weeks. And I just kept showing up. You mind if I check back a week from now? You mind if I, so I, I kept showing up. And finally, after the third week, they actually called me in for an interview. And I found out later, the main reason they hired me was I was so doggone persistent. They hadn't done interviews <laughs> with anybody else because they were so busy. They didn't have time to do the interview. And their thought process was, wow, she's this persistent. She'll be great with following up with vendors. She'll be great at following up with owners. She'll be great at following up with all these people, right? And so one month into the job, I felt like I had found my tribe. I loved everything about property management. I love the negotiations. Um, as I mentioned, my husband's a retired fireman. People that know firemen, they often do a lot of construction on the side or whatever. And, and we'd remodeled mm -hmm. numerous homes. And so I understood 
the maintenance side, which is probably one of the weaknesses that many people have is they don't really understand the maintenance side of things. And so I understood sure. that was very comfortable with that. I could talk the lingo with the vendors. I knew what was reasonable pricing. If they were telling me something that didn't seem right, I'd go back to them and say, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Um, and I could hold my own in that arena as a woman. Okay. Um, and so I just really loved it. And I remember thinking, um, I just kind of like, spoke out loud, it would be awesome if I could find a company of somebody that's it's already an existing company, but they want to retire. And I can step in and I can improve the company, mold it, grow it, do all of that. Um, and so literally two weeks later, this was way back in 2005, which doesn't seem that long ago, but it was far enough back. Craigslist was kind of new back then. And um, I was cruising around looking for jobs for my sister. And it turns out, I thought, well, you know, I'm wondering who's hiring in Santa Cruz. And I saw 30-year-old property management company owner wants to retire. And literally two weeks later, I owned it. So it wow. was the stars aligned. I was really confident about jumping into buying a company. And it was a very large investment, financial investment. But because I had tried it on for size and I was so in love with it. And then just with my business background, I treated my company like a mini Fortune 500. You know, I, I put into place all the things that I had learned working in Silicon Valley. And I think that really helped me a lot. I was very comfortable with the accounting and I was comfortable mm -hmm. with marketing. And I just, you know, looked at my little business as like this big company and put in place a lot of processes and systems and um, how to run an effective business. I immediately became a member of NARPM. I started taking my designation classes and that helped kind of educate me in best practices for the property management industry, right? And so that's really how I kind of got started um, as a professional in the field. I'd love to dig into how you began building that company, but I'm going to take us just on a short tangent. I don't want to dig into this too much, but I am curious, how did you come to the decision on which company to buy? So it sounds like you found this one. It seemed like a great opportunity. How did you, what kind of vetting did you do to know this is the company I should buy and I shouldn't hold out for a different one? Right. Well, um, Santa Cruz is a very small community. So, and it's part of the reason I didn't get into sales is because we have generations of families here that have been in real estate. And so their names are so well known, right? And um, on the property management side, it's very, very, very rare for companies to come up for sale. And in property management in general, you know, people don't generally hang a shingle that says I'm for sale. It's kind of who you know, word of mouth, that sort of thing, right? A little bit behind the scenes are how the deals are made. And so um, what I did was, you know, I spoke with the owner. I asked them if they'd be okay with having my CPA review the books. I um, asked for a list of all the owners, all the properties. I did drive-bys on them to see if they were a bunch of crappy properties or if they were, you know, nice properties. Um, the fact that I looked at the pricing, the services offered, so I could see where I might be able to add value, things that I would do differently. 
Um, the person that had the business, yes, you know, he'd owned it for 30 years, but he was all over the place. He was a good salesman, but he wasn't an operations person. So that's what I'm really good at. And I'm like, okay, I can really get some systems in here. We could really improve our customer service. I could add more um, pricing. I've always been a big proponent of um, how can, what are the different streams of revenue? And and now we hear it all over the place, but back in 2005, people did not talk like that. You only charged a monthly management fee and a lease up fee. And that was it. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm in business to make money. I'm not running a nonprofit. And I used to get kind of bashed by that, even by people in NARPUM at the time. And I'm like, no, no, this is a business venture, people. And um, I'm not doing this to be altruistic. I'm doing it because I love it, but I deserve to make an income. I deserve to retire someday. And so in vetting it, you know, I, I looked very carefully at the numbers. I looked at where I could expand the business. I looked at the number of doors that I had. Um, I was really confident in that the owners had been with the business for a very long time. Um, so I didn't change things the first year. I allowed people to get used to me. And then they got to see improvements in communication and business and so forth. And then after the first year, I started making changes to my management contracts. I started rolling out new wonderful services and charging for it. I started closing out and being really intentional, intentional about my portfolio. Um, Santa Cruz County is a pretty big county. And I made a business decision. I was only going to take on business or managed properties that were a 30 minute drive from my office. Anything beyond that, I closed out. I referred to other property managers and I really consolidated my focus and my area. And then I built within that area. Um, and so all these little incremental changes that you make each year, um, you know, allowed me to really grow the business and grow it financially. So when I bought the business at about 200 to 225 doors, when I sold my company at about 225 doors, about the same number of owners, but I grown the business year over year for 13 years, 20% profit each year. And when I sold the business, wow. I sold it for almost eight times what I paid for it. What are they? How'd you do that, right? It's yeah, it's those value added services. It's charging for what you do. It's like an attorney charges you per minute. You look at all the things you do in property management and then you monetize that, right? And then eventually I had, as I grew, um, you know, all my vendors were initially outside of my business. And then eventually I had an in house maintenance company. And I still used certain vendors outside the business. But I consolidated. I had a full-time employee that was my maintenance manager. I had a maintenance coordinator. And then I had a contractor on retainer. And so then we really started making money um, because we were servicing not only the properties that, you know, we managed. But as we brought on properties, that was a selling point that um, it allowed me to my my turnovers between when a tenant would move out, and when a new one would move in would be five days. And sometimes we would do a mini reno in within five days. I mean, who can do that, right? So clients saw the advantage of working with us in that we knew our properties intimately. We were able to stay on top of maintenance. Overall, 
you know, big ticket items that are discovered once a tenant moves out, such as gutting a bathroom because the leak went undetected. We didn't have any of that. You know, we had preventative maintenance program that happened every year. Um, so we were able to really stay on top of things, allow for our owners to um, maintain their properties very efficiently and allow us to be able to get in and do what we needed to do versus me waiting around for my vendor to fit me into their schedule, right? So, you know, over time, you start adding different services that are really able to um, go straight to your bottom line. And I expanded from full management to one-time rental services to a whole slew of concierge services that I provided so that I'm supporting anybody that has a piece of real estate along the way. And eventually, if someone tries me out on concierge, they may then move over to one-time rental, and then maybe they come to me for full-time management down the line. Are there a couple of things that you think other property managers miss revenue opportunity on like the, a couple of the big things people miss opportunity to collect additional fees on. Yeah. So I think there, there are a couple different things. There is um, one that to me, you go after the low hanging fruit. Okay. So if you are renewing tenants leases, you should be charging to do that. Right. Anytime you walk through a property, whether it's a city mandate, like city of Santa Cruz has a rental inspection program, right? Um, you charge for that. Uh, you just look at the things that you are already doing first, before you start adding new programs as revenue streams, you look at the things that you are already doing and you monetize it. So simple little things. And, you know, for me, it kind of came out over years of doing stuff. And then finally, I'm like, oh, my God, I need to put together a program. I'm spending way too much time doing this and giving it away as a freebie to my clients. So um, a lot of people, property management companies don't like doing one time placements. And that's, again, because they don't have systems and processes in place. And those can go sideways on you really quickly if you don't have your processes in place, right? And um, but once you get it dialed in, I'd say that was about twenty percent of of you know um, my revenue was one time placements. So you place the tenant. Guess what? You let that owner. You do a survey one month in. How's it going? How's the placement? You do another survey with that owner six months later. How's it going? Hey, when it um, gets time to renew the lease, reach out to me. I can do the paperwork for you to renew the lease. Okay, now you're making some one-time money there. You're still staying in touch with that owner. Hey, guess what? If your tenant ever moves out on you, I just want to make you aware. We can certainly find you a new tenant, but I can also handle the move out for you. But cha-ching, finally, now I got a little move out package that I do where I do the social, I mean, the security deposit return for them. Um, that took me <laughs> probably like almost 10 years of managing before I finally came up with that because I used to give that away for free, right? And then once I realized, oh my God, I'm spending so much time with these owners, helping them through the walkthrough, what's normal wear and tear, what's damages, the pre-inspection, move out, all these sort of things that finally I'm like, why don't I just put together a program and hey, I'll do it for you, okay? Um, and they, they all bought, right? Um, things like... If you have a lot of churn in your business, which I didn't, 
But if you do, or you find that, okay, the market's gone up and now a whole bunch of your properties are being sold. And sometimes that happens, right? I instituted where I have a closeout fee. So if that property gets closed out for any reason, whether it's sold or the owner takes it back or whatever, I charge a closeout fee. And people are like, well, how can you justify that? Easy. In the state of California, we are legally required to keep those files, files that we are not managing that property anymore or was sold, we have to legally keep it for up to three years. Also, a tenant has the right to come back and sue you on the social security deposit if you've withheld any money up to four years. So I kept all my files for four years. Well, where are you keeping files? If you don't have space in your office, that means you have to have a storage unit. You're paying somebody for that. Not to mention you close out that property. You have to do a 1099 at year end. You have to give the owner a final closeout statement so that for tax purposes. So now you're doing paperwork and you're not even managing that property anymore. So I charged a closeout fee to help compensate for storage, which in my office, we just set aside kind of an office space for all of our past storage. Um, but still, I charged for it and for my accounting time at year end to wrap up that property. So there's lots of little things that people are already doing that they're not thinking about charging for. And so looking at doing that. The other thing is I am adamant about charging. I don't call it a markup fee. I call it a maintenance coordination fee. So if you are using all your vendors are on the outside, maybe, and you're not at the point where you could sustain or have an in-house maintenance company, you need to be charging a maintenance coordination fee. And words are important. I never use the word handyman in my business ever. They're a maintenance manager, maintenance coordinator, because in a client's mind, a handyman is cheap, right? I don't hire cheap people. You know, they've got to have their workman's comp. They have to have their liability insurance. And so if they're a professional vendor, they're not going to be the cheapest around because they are professional. They've got their business costs too. And so words do matter. I don't use the word markup because owners in your mind think that you didn't do anything for that markup, you're just tagging on 10 or 20% or whatever to the bill. That is so not the truth. Um, in my maintenance, what I discovered, and it's great that there's companies now like you guys that have picked this role up. But back in the day, when I got a maintenance emergency call, it came to me and I'm calling the tenant and I'm deciding, you know, what kind of vendor to send out. Is it really emergency? And then I'm calling... It ended up from the time of the initial call to when the bookkeeper's closing it out and paying the vendor, 11 touch points. That is labor, somebody's labor to manage that whole process and to make sure that it was taken care of promptly and the job was done and checking in with people and so forth. So I called it maintenance coordination and I charged it. And, you know, some months, we got a lot of fees off of that and other months, not so much. But when you are charging for the work that you do, then you feel valued and you feel good about the service you're providing your client. When you are doing all this work, 
and you aren't making any money and then your owners are bitching and complaining to you, why did it cost this much and why did it cost that? And I thought that was included in your management fee. That's when property managers start to get, you know, disgruntled, um, frustrated, um, trying to figure out how do I get systems in my business because I'm not making any money, right? So I think those are the biggest things with property managers in looking at the low hanging fruit and start monetizing that. Um, you cannot be, in my mind, you cannot be a profitable business off of management fees alone. The margins are too small. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I, I want to I wanna come back to that. But before we do, I've noticed you've talked quite a few times about how important the vendor relationships are. Um, so maybe let's take a moment and dig into that because I know you, uh, a lot of the coaching you do is about choosing the right vendors to support your business. When it comes to choosing the right vendors, is there any like universal advice that you give to uh, the folks you coach? Well, I think the biggest thing is, um, and it seems to be counterintuitive, but it works. So any vendors that were going to work for me, um, they had to apply to work for me. Okay. And the, the people that try to kind of be the cheapest in the marketplace or fly under the radar would always say to me, oh, I, I don't want to do that. And I go, that's okay, great. We just can't work with you then. You need to apply to us. There's an application process. Part of that is that you have to have insurance. We need to see evidence of insurance. If you need to have a license for what you do, we need a copy of your license. Um, if you have employees, we need to see your workman's comp. Okay. And then we would give them a whole list of expectations of this is what we expect in working with you. So when we give you a work order, we expect that, you know, you contact the tenant within 24 hours. If it's not an emergency, if it's an emergency, you have to contact them within, you know, 15 minutes of us contacting you. Um, and so we set those expectations for how they're going to work with us and then what they can expect from us. Like when they have to get their estimates into us, when they get their voices into voices into us. Um, I tell people when you're looking for vendors um, in the past, I literally would have somebody that would, I'm not exaggerating, one time gave me on a napkin the price to do the job. And I looked at him and I'm like, are you kidding? I can't give that to my owner. I can't. That's not professional. Oh, that's hilarious. That's absurd. It's absurd, but it totally happened. And then, you know, the other thing is I live in a surfing area. <laughs> so I always made it really clear to my vendors that if surf's up and you're expected to be at a job site, you need to be at the job site. I don't want the tenant calling me saying you were a no-show and I follow up with you and you tell me, well, surf was up. You'll never do business with me again, right? And so part of it is setting very clear expectations with the vendors that you want to work with and what you expect of them, what they expect of you. And what I found was by making my vendors kind of jump through a few hoops, hint, hint, property managers listening, 
is not what we do with our owner clients, is not what we do with our tenants. And from experience, you will all know that when we make people jump through a few hoops, those that can follow our instructions are going to be more likely to be quality tenants and quality owners. Because people that don't follow our simple instructions tend to feel that the rules don't apply to them or tend to be very disrespectful of our time or tend to be the owners that bitch and complain about everything, right? So don't treat your vendors any differently than how you would treat how you screen your tenants or how you would screen your owner clients. So what I found was when I would say this to professional vendors, they Loved it. And they told me I was the only property manager in the entire county of Santa Cruz and Monterey that made them apply to work for me. That actually I gave them a vendor packet on PM Made Easy actually has a product called the vendor manual setting expectations. I used that and I would give it to them and it spelled out very clearly if they wanted to work with me, this is what they needed to do. The professional companies have no problem doing it. And if anything, that helps build your relationship because you're treating them as a professional. Guess what? They know that you're going to be professional. You're going to pay them on time, right? You're going to have quality properties. You're going to have good owners that you're not fighting to get payment from. You're going to have tenants that are quality tenants that also, you know, um, don't put in a maintenance request and then don't allow the vendor in, right? No, you're going to have tenants that once they put in a maintenance request are very cooperative with having the vendor come and complete the job. So it's kind of a mindset around how do you source for quality? So I made all my vendors jump through those hoops. So then the next question is, where do you find those vendors? So um, a tip that I give to people is in your marketplace, especially if you're an ARPM vendor, and maybe you're new, um, ask other NARPM vendors in your marketplace, hey, do you know a good house cleaner? Do you know a good you know, landscaper? Do you know? And I know I was always very willing to share my vendors with anybody that asked me, because if they are really good people, you want them to be around and be in business, right? And um, there's also vendors too, especially when you get into like contractors, um, sometimes electricians, um, they want to do new build versus working on um, existing properties that property management handles, right? So I would just be straight up and tell them, you know, um, have you worked with property management companies before? Um, are you okay um, doing work on, on properties that maybe we're not going to gut the bathroom, we're going to fix it, and you need to know where you draw the line and stop? Right. Um, and sometimes there's just people that say, no, I, I don't want to do property management properties. I only want to do new construction or whatever. It's better to know that up front. Right. Um, the other place that I would go to find really good quality people is just like property managers that may join business networking groups such as BNI, Latip, Leeds. There's probably lots of other ones out there that I don't even know the names of. There are groups that will have um, certain vents to them. And so one group that I belonged to probably for about eight years, it was trades. There were a lot of trades in the group. And the fact that they show up every single week at, you know, 7 a.m. And, you know, they're promoting their business and they're paying dues to be in this group and so forth tells me that they're professional. Right. And again, it goes back to that mindset of wanting to be a professional person 
versus on the fly. And so I would tap some of those people and use them. So I've recommended to many of my clients, log on and see what business networking groups are in your local area and reach out to those vendors. Um, the other way is if you've got a really good contractor or a vendor that you've worked with that's good, they've got friends, tradespeople, their friends are tradespeople, and ask them, hey, have you got a good electrician? Hey, have you got a good carpet clean? Hey, you know what I mean? They're going to know people in the industry, and they're going to recommend people. And then don't be afraid to ask your owners. I used to ask my owner clients all the time, hey, if you have worked with a vendor on your personal home or your rentals in the past that you really like, um, I'm happy to interview them and entertain using them. Sometimes I have not been able to work with them because they don't have insurance or they're not licensed or whatever. But more often than not, I've gotten some really great people that way. Um, so don't be afraid to ask your owners for good vendors as well. Typically, more often, someone that called themselves kind of like a handyman or a maintenance person, um, there's no real license for that in California, right? And so anybody could hang a shingle saying, you know, they do handyman work. Um, I would typically buy them out on my personal home or my personal rental in the area. And I didn't tell them that it was my personal property. And I would give them an assignment and I would see, you know, how quickly did they return the phone call to my husband? How quickly did they schedule the appointment? Did they show up on time? Did they do a good job? You know, I kind of, I would be the guinea pig um, to see if I wanted to work with them further. Um, other times, if I sent somebody out on a job in the beginning days, I would pop in on them. Did they show up on time? I had one person I hired, the place had been cleaned. It was immaculate. I just needed him to fix a little thing. I popped in and showed up and oh my God, it looked like a bomb went off. He had tools all over the driveway. He had tools all over you know, the flooring in the house that I just had professionally installed, his greasy fingers have been touching newly painted walls. And I was like, okay. And I, and he'd been there for hours. I'm like, you know, the assignment I gave you should have been completed within an hour. You need to clean this all up and be done. And then I went back and I had to have cleaners done and I charged him for it. So needless to say, he didn't work out for me. But, you know, you pop in on them and actually see if they're doing what they're doing and if they know what they're doing, because, you know, especially those handyman people will say they know how to do stuff when, in fact, they really don't. I, I, I was on mute, but I, I just have to say I was cracking up when you said you went and charged him for the cleaning. That's that's amazing. Well, people... Um, my vendors that worked with me, the one thing they knew about me is um, I would crack the whip on them. I trained them. People that worked for me over a period of time, I trained them. So they came to know the level of expectation of Kathleen Richards. Perfect example. Flooring installer installs carpet. You go out and look at it and there's carpet fragments everywhere. I call them up and say, you need to come and vacuum it. They go, that's not our job. We install carpets. We don't, you know, vacuum them. I go, oh, yes, you will. And I will buy you a vacuum if you don't have one. But if you want to do business with me, 
you will vacuum the carpet. And guess what? They did. Because that was what I expected. And I made it really clear up front that if you're going to do business with me, this is what I expect. If I have a vendor go in and I've already cleaned the property, you better expect that if you go in and use the bathroom or something's not clean, when we come in after the fact, I'm going to charge you for it. Or you make sure you have your Lysol wipes with you and you clean up after yourself. So part of it is being really, really clear about what to expect from your vendors. But on the flip side, yes, I, I would crack the whip, but I was super generous and I was really good to my vendors. I mean, really good to my vendors. Um, I made sure that if they did something for me that was above and beyond or an emergency situation, I would, I would give them a $200 gas card as a thank you. Because all these vendors, they drive trucks and vans and everything else, right? Um, my top yeah, it's a long way. I'd run a report at year end and I'd see who are my top vendors, how much did I pay out to them each year? And my top vendors that worked for me a lot, um, I would bonus them in December. They weren't employees, but I would give them a bonus, like a cash bonus as a thank you. Okay. Um, in the month of December, if I had vendors doing work for me and they're going to get paid in January, sometimes they would say, is there any way I could kind of get paid in December? It's Christmas, blah, 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 blah. Right. So I already knew with my owners, if we were having work done or that's why you have reserves, that I would make sure to pay my vendors out that month. I wouldn't make them wait till the next month. Right. Um, I held client appreciation events. How many vendors go out and they do a great job and nobody gives them a pat on the back, right? So I held a once a year client event. I'd give awards. I would have like goofy prizes. I made a really big deal about it. Um, my vendors got to meet other vendors. So now they're getting to network with people and share business with each other. Um, and so I treated my vendors really well because they are an extension of your business. I also trained them on things I wanted them to look for when they're in a property. So, for example, my plumbers would go in and if they were called to check a drip, maybe on the kitchen faucet, while they were at the property, they knew to go into the bathroom, to go to other places, make sure that there's not drips happening in the tub or other places. I also trained them that when they go into the bathroom, I want them to count toothbrushes. Okay, so why would I do that? Well. If there's extra people in the unit that aren't supposed to be there or something like that, they will get rid of the shoes. They'll do other things. But people always forget about toothbrushes. And I had a two-bedroom apartment once, and we had a suspicion that there were many more people living in there. But every time we go out and check, no, it was just, you know, the tenant that was supposed to be there. So my vendor counted toothbrushes and called me up after he finished the job, and he said, Kathleen. I counted 14 toothbrushes. Okay, maybe a couple extra meant for cleaning, but really 14 in a two bedroom that on the lease, there's supposed to be two adults and two kids. So that's excessive. Yeah. So we knew that there were more people living there, right? So again, when you have vendors going into properties, I train them to not just go in and solve that problem. I wanted their eyes and ears open and to report back to me later. So my plumbers knew to do that. My gardeners knew to do that. You know, all my vendors knew to kind of report back to me on things. And so 
it was another way of me of kind of keeping tabs, making sure that the property is being maintained properly, all of that. Um, but it comes down to you training your vendors and setting the expectations of what you want them to do and how you want them to do it. And then you also being a really good um, service provider. Uh, another quick example, my painter, he, um, it was just him. So his prices were super affordable. And I would tell him, you know, hey, Mick, I only have X amount of money to do this. What can you do for me? He'd go out, take a look, come back. And he would say things like, well, I won't paint the inside of the closet. Um, I won't be able to paint the stairwell or other things. I go, okay, great. But I knew him. He's a perfectionist. So once everything's freshly painted, he, it would kill him to have the inside of the closet looking ugly. So he painted. it. So when I would go out and inspect, I would make sure to always look for those little things above and beyond. And I would call my vendors always. And I would let them know, hey, I went out there. The paint job looked amazing. And I noticed you did inside the closet. Oh, my God. Thank you. Because I know your bid didn't originally include that. Or I noticed you did something. Everybody likes to feel appreciated, likes to feel that their work matters that they're treated with respect. And in the property management industry, I think maintenance is one area that property managers really hate because it's nothing but complaints all the time, right? Somebody's always calling you, this is backing up, that's yeah. broken, yeah. doesn't work, right? And, and so you're always responding to that. Your vendors go out there and they do the job, but they don't have anybody that's patting them on the back and, and praising them for what they do. And so those little things that you can do as a business owner will go a long way. And so my vendors, when I would reach out to my vendors and say, hey, I need a new this or new that, guess what? They would give me names of really good people that they recommended. And you know that they've talked me up and my company up to these other vendors. Hey, you want to work for Kathleen? She's great, right? So after a while, it becomes really easy to find those good vendors to work for you. And they will be extremely loyal. I mean, extremely. Like my vendors with the fires going on, if I had an emergency and I needed to have a tree company come and take something down or my landscapers to go out and, and chop up a tree that's blocking a tenant's driveway and they can't get in or out, guess what? My vendor is going to do me before some home, homeowner that's called them up or even maybe another property management company because they know who butters their bread. They know who treats them right. And so it takes time to build that relationship, but it's so valuable when you have that. I feel like a lot of property managers are probably listening, thinking that just sounds like a lot of work, a lot of process, do all the things you're talking about. Do the onboarding, give them the materials, do all these extra things, then even follow up to, you know, say thank you. So how did, if you could give some advice to our listeners, like what, how did you set that up? Was it you just putting in a bunch of time yourself? Did you have any processes no, to help with this? It's, it's counterintuitive. Um, I get this all the time in coaching. Um, people don't like, um, people get all panicked about systems. Oh my God, that sounds like a lot of work. But when you have a process or system in place, it's actually less work. Because when that emergency happens, you just follow your process. You don't spend any energy. Um, I used to be a teacher. 
and I would develop my own curriculum and I would come up with different things to keep it interesting for the students. And then I realized that it was exhausting for me and it was exhausting for the students. And we would lose so much class time trying to explain what we're going to do today and the new this and the new that, right? So I put together a template and every single time we did a lesson, it followed that same template. So two thirds of the class was always the same. And then I would only introduce one new thing. And guess what? We were way more productive. I wasn't having to re-explain things. I wasn't so exhausted. They weren't so exhausted. So it's very counterintuitive. But once you kind of set up your system, then you just follow that system. You set it up once and you just follow it forever. And, and much of what I was talking about sounds like a lot, but it's not. It's called communication. And doing little nice things, right? So am I sending $200 gift cards like every single day? No, but I would go buy 10 of them and they would be in my office. And I would go to the dollar store and I'd buy blank, you know, little containers of 10 cards. So I always had cards in my office. So when the opportunity did just come up, real quick, sign it, put it in the mail, boom, you're done. Took all of 30 seconds, right? So in property management, and maybe what I love about it is it is a business that is very repetitive. We collect the rent every single month. We onboard owners. We have nothing we do in property management should ever, ever, ever be a surprise. We are doing the same things again and again and again and again. So if over time, put in your process, and I'm, I'm a big believer if you keep it as simple Simple, simple, simple is is easy. Don't make things complicated. If you can do it in three steps, great. But you should have those three steps. So the next time when something happens, you just have three steps. It makes it easy when you go to delegate or you bring a new employee on board, right? Here's here's the three steps. I, I wanted to spend our last few minutes here learning more about what types of things PMAPC can do for property managers and what types of most common process and operational lists you have? Okay. So um, in revamping the company, I group things according to um, different categories. So our core essentials category are for those people that are new, don't have any processes in place, and that includes the policy and procedure manual. It um, includes um, forms, the basics to set up your foundation, okay? Um, and what the products do for you is it allows you to get up to speed very quickly. Our, you know, trademark tagline is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. The processes are there. You just can follow them. Uh, the policy and procedure manual is ready to go. You literally... Put in your logo and you put in your company specific information and you're ready to go. So it can really help guide somebody with educating them about what they need to do for the different processes. And so we have a staffing essentials. Um, there's products there for hiring and training your staff. Um, I'm coming out with a, a some maintenance essential products. So for people that um, are working on maintenance, how to set that up. Um, so if people look at the different categories, they're going to 
see what category fits for them. And then I did a little video at the beginning of each category where I very quickly explain this product is good if you are at this stage of your business. So that way people can quickly assess what product might fit into what stage of the business that they're at at the moment. Are there any uh, success stories you want to share with us? Yeah, yeah, I do. So there was um, a fellow that I've been coaching for about five years now, and he actually owns a franchise. So that was kind of surprising to me, like why he would come to me, as, you know, as a franchise. Um, because you, you would expect they have all those systems in place to support you. But over the five years of putting processes in place and really working them, he has been able to expand into, you know, different markets. So I've also had people that were brand new that came to me and said, hey, I am a realtor and I want to launch a property management company. How quickly can I get up to speed? And I've coached and with people getting some of these products, they literally within 30 days were able to hang their shingle. And they not only had the business structure that they needed in place, but they had their forms, their agreement, their, you know, property management agreement, their leases, their onboarding process, um, their marketing and the different pricing structure that they were going to have um, within 30 days. So the product can help you get up to speed very, very quickly. Um, and they can also help those people that are the sort of people that have jumped in with both feet. They have done an amazing job. Um, they've grown very quickly, but they realize that now they've hit the wall. They cannot grow anymore unless they start hiring more people, unless they actually start putting some things in place. Um, and then that's where they come to me. And so we're kind of backtracking a little bit in those situations because we end up doing a triage. What are your highest priorities? Okay, let's put this in place for second, third and then get that dialed in, and then let's take the next step. Um, all businesses, no matter what kind of business you run, has to have some form of infrastructure. And it doesn't have to be a complicated infrastructure, but you need to have things in place. And so at a very basic level, if you think of, or if you look to your department of real estate, if they were to come and do an audit of my company, what are they going to ask to see? At a bare bones level, you need to at least cover that, right? Because you could get that notice any day and you need to make sure that at least you have those bases covered. Then you can kind of build on from there. So um, the, the products are pretty amazing in that they do get you up to speed. They're fully customizable. They're in Word. You know, so it's not like you're having to learn a new software program or anything like that. That's awesome. We've talked about so much in, in this last hour and have covered a lot of territory. Territory. I'm wondering, I mean, people are going to have a lot of questions after listening to this. What would be the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Sure. Um, I have two different emails. So if people want to have lots of questions or more information about PM Made Easy products, that would be Kathleen at pmmadeeasy.com. And if people are interested in coaching, or like, how do I implement these things? How do I, you know, organize stuff? I need to hire somebody. I don't even know how to hire somebody. Um, 
I don't have job descriptions. I don't have training. You know, what do I need to do? Anyone that's interested in coaching, it would be Kathleen at thepropertymanagementcoach.com. So I can be reached with either email. Beautiful. Um, well, Kathleen, I super appreciate you coming on. This has been like loaded with good information. Thank you so much. You are so welcome for having me. Thank you again. And it's been wonderful to see how um, your company has grown and how you support property managers across the U.S. So thank you for what you guys provide to the property management industry. Thank you. I appreciate the kind words. And for everyone listening, um, as a quick recap, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Kathleen, for joining us. If you want to learn more about Kathleen at PMABZ, of course, you can head to www.pmmadeeasy.com. Kathleen graciously gave you two emails to contact her. Uh, One is Kathleen at pmabc.com. The second, if you're interested in coaching, Kathleen at pmabc.com. And for everyone still listening, if you're interested in more topics on property management growth, you should also head to propertybrew.co. That's a weekly newsletter we run at Latchell totally free with great growth tactics, innovations, and other things to grow your business. Uh, To stay updated on our next sessions, follow our Crowdcast channel here or crowdcast.io slash Latchel or follow us on Facebook. Uh, We love Facebook. Easy to connect. Message us. We'll message back. That's just facebook.com slash Latchel. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in and make sure to check back in our next session with Point Central where we'll be diving into smart home solutions and other automations. Thank you all. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date. Hit that subscribe button. Give us some love. Maybe give us a five-star review too if you like what you're hearing. And I have an ask for you. I'd like you to go to latchel.com and click the book a demo button to schedule time to talk with us. We want to hear about your business, how you've been, how you're growing, how maintenance is going at your company. Maybe we can work together, maybe not, but you won't know unless you talk to us. So go to latchel.com, click the book a demo button. I'm looking forward to talking to you. I know the rest of our team here is. So go do that as soon as you can. Thanks everyone. See you back next week.